Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast dedicated 100% to helping you discover and create and live every day a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your gifts. Today, I'm excited. I'm excited because I have a special guest, Jenny Mannion. Did I say that right, Jenny? Sure did, Callum. Thank you. Oh, oh yay. So Jenny Mannion is here as a healer and with quite a story and everything and is committed to helping people achieve their own purpose, prosperity, and joy. So, Jenny, I always ask one question to start with, and that's kind of obvious. Um, I define the ultimate life as a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create by serving with your gifts. How, how, how would you define your ultimate life? Ooh, that's such a perfect definition. It's hard to, hard to go after that one. But I, I do teach very similarly that we need to really honor ourselves, a life that we are comfortable with ourselves and express ourselves and give ourselves permission to live our joy. And that really does trickle out to other people. If we are living in authenticity and standing in our truth and joy, we are creating meaningful relationships around us and that just spreads around the world. Why do you suppose, I mean, as coaches, sometimes we use a lot of phrases, you know, sort of cliches almost, you know, help people step into their power and their greatness. And you said standing in their joy. There's nothing wrong with any of those phrases at all. Why do you suppose it's so, I mean, I don't think we were born like that. Why, 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 why do most people don't not know how to be authentic, for example? I think especially the way it's gone the last 20 years, 30 years with social media, with we have a lot of, we're hard on ourselves. We see the way maybe people are expecting us to act. We are not really taught how to work through trauma. So instead of working through trauma and working through the things that happen to us, we adopt these negative, negative self-talk really feel badly about ourselves and it becomes harder and harder we become more disempowered and it becomes harder to live in that joy harder to even find i've had so many clients that have trouble even finding and remembering what that joyful space is why do we why do you think we care so much what somebody else thinks again it's the way we've been programmed it's we have these supermodels you know on the magazine covers we have social media where everyone's commenting on everyone else's how many likes did that person get and what are what is this person talking about i think it's become even more pronounced because in an instant you can get a reaction and a lot of people don't have that base of self-worth to begin with, whether it's their parents that 
made them feel badly about themselves or or maybe it was an early relationship but they don't have that self-worth to really not care and <laughs> just be like hey i'm just being me and if they don't like it too bad they really do kind of been brought up where it is important what other people think what's the difference i, I agree with what you're saying we have a we have a framework maybe between school and community and and now we have a fourth or a third or fourth framework the social media universe which we didn't used to have i mean i remember really clearly not having it at all where those kinds of things just didn't exist and so nobody thought about it and today it's a huge um pillar in our in our community for better or worse so why we weren't, we weren't born this way. So you're not born as a baby worrying about what the nurse thinks about you or even when you get home much. What's missing from, like, parents don't bring their kids up anymore in a healthy way. They allow them to... No, I'm not... I'm generalizing. Some few parents do, but there's so many that kind of turn the raising of kids over to social media, television, and the school system. What's missing so that a kid can can grow up between the ages of 2 and 10 and have a, a sense of their own being? I think that unconditional love is missing. And I think a lot of the people that have kids never got it themselves. So don't understand what that even means. And their unhealed trauma will result in someone taking it out on someone else. These patterns get repeated. And we're not given a guidebook. There's actually more paperwork to fill out if you adopt an animal than to have a child. You know, and we're not given that real base of hey this child needs unconditional love and here are some ways to do that and why not connect them with mindfulness and why not let them do what they want to do a lot is on rules and setting rules and how people look and i i remember even being a young mom with mommy groups like moms being very judgmental about the way the other moms are raising their kids and the way their kids are acting it starts at a very young age so it really is up to, and you can only you can only control so much of that, but I do feel like if the child has a very healthy base of that unconditional love, they have a lot better uh, stability to not really care when someone else says something or really to take it as, okay, that person's saying something, but that's their opinion. That doesn't necessarily define me. You know, I think, uh, listening to what you're saying, I agree with you, and I think I certainly didn't experience any anything even resembling unconditional love. I thought that was a fairy tale construct. I really did. So much so that when I saw movies or read books about, you know, people of valor taking great risks to do things, I I would I used to weep. It would make me cry a lot. And I would yearn for that and at the same time assume that it was unreachable and impossible. So I think I agree the kind of love that is supporting, nurturing to allow a child to develop is completely missing. Yeah. And I would say 
I don't think I could fill up one hand with the number of people that in my crappy judgment and unscientific analysis were raised in a situation that even approximated that. I don't even know anybody. Yeah, you're lucky if you come across one person in your childhood or in your No, I mean now. I mean today as a (laughs) 67-year-old, I don't think I know anybody that was raised that way. Right. Except maybe a couple of people, two or three people that I say, I don't know, they probably could have been. So anyway, it's just a commentary on how much I agree with you. You, like many healers, people who are sensitive to the changes that are going on in the world, the yearning, you know, we've lost socialization, families are broken up, they're non-nuclear, people aren't close together anymore, nobody stays in one place. So all the sort of accidental supports that we used to sort of have are gone, which leaves, which which amplifies that kind of isolation that you're talking about. But regardless of all that, people that yearn to heal and help like you do didn't get there by accident. How did you come to the place where you care? What what struggles happened to start with and then what allowed you to take a different view and called you to this kind of path? My first major, I guess, epiphany or life-changing moment was I I had been sick for seven years, was diagnosed with a bunch of chronic illnesses, was told I would never be better, was told I'd be in a wheelchair. And instead I wound up healing myself in three weeks of all physical ailments. And that was really by turning my attention to energy, to gratitude, to what I was saying to myself, because we're horrible to ourselves when we're sick usually. The self-talk gets worse instead of more nurturing. It's the limitations. It's, I'm not a good enough wife. I'm not a good enough daughter. I'm not a good enough friend. I'm not showing up for my kids. Like all of that self-talk was not helping with my healing. So in healing myself in three weeks by, and when I was told I could never do that, it really woke me up to, wow, if I could do this, I could help other people do this. I had been in support groups where there was no support. It was people one-upping each other with how bad their life was or the medications they were on. And I was like, these people can know. And I I went rushing back there and I was like, "Hmm, some people don't want to know this stuff. So how do I reach the people that do want to learn this and do want to help themselves and how do I learn even more so I have a bigger toolbox to reach more people and that was really what jump started it I'd majored in psychology always really did care about people and was interested in the mind but it wasn't until my own, own journey and overcoming all those illnesses that it really was like okay this is what I need to do this is a calling when you went to school majored in psychology did you plan on like being a counselor or something like have- that or what Yeah, well, I planned on being a forensic psychologist. I actually went to grad school for two years for forensic psychology. And then I started meeting people that worked with the FBI. I thought it was always so foreign to me, the criminal mind, that it was very interesting. But then when I started meeting people that worked for the FBI and that population, I was like, I would not sleep at night. I'm too empathic. I wouldn't be able to leave that at the door and recognize that that was not what I wanted to do with my life. I wouldn't be able to. 
Okay, so you started there, and and your first and left that obviously to go do something else. Did you become a counselor of some kind? No, at that point, I lo- my other love was computers. So wow. I worked IT. I did graphic design. Always loved being a little artistic too. So yeah, had a graphic design business for a while. Okay, so you just. You had the psychology background, the desire to help people, and then decided to add good to the world by creating art and graphics and stuff. And then it sounds like you were married at the time because you said not showing up with kids. So somewhere along there, you got married and and got sick and realized this is happening. I've been sick for, and I didn't catch what that was. What did you say that was? Seven years. Yeah. What, What was it? Chronic mono, uh, fibromyalgia, benign hypermobility syndrome, which is Ehlers-Danlos, and a genetic blood disorder. Fact wow, five. okay. So alphabet soup of things that, that they told you, you can't do this. What made you, what made you turn to internal work, meditation, focused stuff inside? What, what made you decide... That's what I'm going to do. It was a couple things that definitely led for me to me being ready. And I did go the naturopath route too. And they had me on like 30 vitamins a day. Didn't think that was natural healing either. So I did meet someone. I'd met a woman uh, actually on St. Patrick's Day. I was out with my husband, met a woman, and we just loved each other from the start. And at that point, I wasn't really going out of the house very much. I wasn't, I was in such pain that most of the days I'd have to like crawl down the stairs and I was really refusing pain pills because I was very, very afraid of addiction. In my mid thirties, I was like, if I go down this road now, forget it, you know, for, for the rest of my life. When I met her, I was like, you know what? I am going to take like a quarter of a dose of pain pill just to relieve enough pain to go for a walk. And she started seeing me as I started remembering who I was instead of wife and mom, because all those roles were associated with not good enough wife, not good enough mom. Like, you know, I was, I had put so much pressure on myself that she helped me remember with those walks a little bit and being pain-free for a little bit who I was. And then I think that that allowed me to be open to when the movie, The Secret came out, it resonated. And after seeing it, honestly, I was like, oh, no doctors ever told me to practice gratitude. No doctors ever told me to practice meditation. Like, these things make sense to me. I've read Deepak Chopra and Carl Jung ages ago. I need to go back to that. I need to revisit that and just see what happens. And Kellen, I didn't know I could heal myself. I was told I wouldn't. All I knew was I hadn't tried that route yet. And that where I put my attention mattered. And every morning I was waking up doubled over in pain saying how much my legs hurt. And that couldn't have been healthy for me. So I really was like, what if I just focus all my energy a few hours a day on my body being okay, on the things that I'm grateful for, on, it was Eckhart Tolle, it was Wayne Dyer, it was Caroline Mace, it was Napoleon Hill, it was anything I could get my hands on, you know, or view, read, that would encourage me that life could be more. So what you're telling me, and you don't need to be afraid to say yes, because I agree with you, is you decided to, you know, they wrote the book, Think and Grow Rich, and what you're saying is think and grow healthy. Yeah, yeah. 
Isn't it interesting how that it's the same power, the same principle, what you focus on, what you determine will be your existence that you create that. Yeah, absolutely. So when you, in three weeks you were markedly better healed per se, I, I don't know completely or mostly or whatever. What happened then when you went to the doctor or I refused to go to the doctor for a while. I was kind of not pleased with my medical care at that point. And the only doctor I kept revisiting was I had, I was on a uh, blood, I was on heparin. So I was on a blood clotting disorder medicine that they said I'd be on for life, which also is like rat poison. So I, I knew well, that's war- warfarin. Yeah. It wasn't good for my body long term, yeah. but I said, okay, they're going to give me a lot of, you know, they're going to give me trouble getting off of this one. The other ones I could go off on my own pain pills, that kind of stuff. So it took me about, I think it was like 11 months a year to go to a hematologist to get permission to go off of that. And even he said at the time, he's like, with your mind where it is now, it's more dangerous for you to be on this drug than to be taken off of it and gave me permission to go off of it. Yeah. You know, there was a time in my life where I had some more for, and I, I had uh, thought I had a heart attack and I had all the symptoms of a heart attack except there wasn't a lot of pain, but there was a lot of shortness of breath and everything else was weird. And I went to the doctor right away and he sent me right to the hospital. So I went there, it turned out I had um, atrial atrial fibrillation. My heart was just being weird. So they left me in the hospital for 10 days and tried to restart everything. And they were worried about clots and stuff. And so they put me on some of that jazz for a while. And eventually they couldn't get my heart to do regular. So they did the whole paddle restart thing. And you know, blew me up and started life over again. And then in a few months, I went back and did a or a couple of months. I went back and did a treadmill test. And it's like, good to go. And that was, I don't know, probably 12, 14 years ago. So I, I you know, whatever, <clears throat> that's all it's just my sidebar on warfarin. So when you help, when, when you have someone come to you and they hear your story about placing your mind in gratitude and in energy and in seeking divine or, you know, healing energy to come into your body and cause a thing. What, what do you do? And I'm sure that this has been your experience sometimes when somebody says, okay, yeah, that's really good for you, but it won't work for me. What I can't, what should I do? Yeah. Thankfully, there's a lot of tools to give those people because there are, I didn't realize, Caroline, I mean, I, I do have such a passion to help people and felt like I definitely had my challenges in life, but I didn't realize some of the deep dysfunction that most, I will say, most people come from. And to get a client, to be able to ask a client, I ask most of my clients this, to remember a happy moment. And to have a client say to me, I have no happy moments is very challenging. And it does require diving a little deeper. Maybe it's not that your family was sitting around singing Christmas carols. Maybe that it was a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset. And there are tools like Ho'oponopono is a favorite of mine, easy tools that we can use to really just kind of reset our energy without maybe consciously going there right now. Some people need a little of that energetic kind of healing. And sometimes I'll prescribe joy 
what brings you joy? Is it reading? Is it coloring? Is it, you know, dancing? Is it music? I would honestly rather people do something that brings them joy than do that inner self work if they're not ready, because that inner self work brings up stuff. You know, it's not easy. The healing journey is not necessarily easy because we're looking at our life and we tend to be pretty judgmental when it comes to ourselves. And we get right back into that state of mind where we were when that trauma happened or when we feel like we did something we wish we wouldn't have done instead of being supportive and looking at that maybe from that higher view of we did the best we could in that moment and feeling compassion for ourselves so i love the fact that you mentioned ho'oponopono can you can you tell me like forgiveness the idea of forgiveness especially you've talked a lot about self-criticism and the not good enough. Um, I I have a song that I've written on one of the albums called Anthem of Sorrow and the chorus goes, I sing the anthem of sorrow, sing the anthem of sorrow and the story of not good enough. You know, that's the part of the chorus of the song. But anyway, tell me how important is forgiveness? And how do you help people understand what it is and then start on a journey to release baggage with that? Oponopono is my first go-to tool for forgiveness because to be able to see yourself and say, I love you. And I always feel like it belongs to, it starts with us. It's that self-forgiveness that it has to begin with before we move on to some of the other difficult, (laughs) more challenging people in our lives. I really do feel like it is that forgiveness for how we reacted and acted and our thoughts and how we might've treated ourselves and the words we might've been repeating to ourselves for decades. Really that self-forgiveness is so important. And then when we're ready, you know, to move on that for that forgiveness of others. And I don't think of forgiveness as excusing what happened, because there are some things that quote unquote are, you know, unforgivable in some ways, but in other ways, like I am a victim of sexual abuse, but I know my abuser was also sexually abused, you know? So like the pattern of dysfunction continues on. So to be able to forgive someone from that higher perspective of knowing that hurt people hurt people. If someone has hurt you, guaranteed, they were hurting too. Happy, well-adjusted people don't go around causing other people harm. So really getting beyond that, that finger pointing because it doesn't help us. It, it, it really, forgiveness is to free ourselves from that moment, allowing ourselves to move forward uh, with love instead of that heaviness because anger, resentment, all of those things are, are really strong anchors to the past and they really don't allow us to move forward in love. No, I, they don't. And I agree with you hundred percent. In fact, that right there was the reason I, my last book that I wrote was a book about forgiveness, forgiveness, a journey of courage to a place of freedom and power. So I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. And one of the interesting things I've discovered about forgiveness is it really doesn't have anything to do with whether or not someone else got punished, got caught, or is even sorry for whatever they did or we thought they did. And even if what they did was terrible, forgiveness is a personal choice. 
to no longer allow the event of the past to have power in the present. And it really doesn't have anything, it doesn't have anything to do with whether somebody deserves it, wants it, has apologized or do anything, doesn't have anything to do with that. I, I am in charge here. You have hurt me, you've done all this stuff, and maybe I even have a limp, some version of a limp, some permanent mark in my life, character, or heart that can't ever go away. You know what I can do that you can't stop me from doing? I can forgive you and erase that uh, erase that effect from my life, even if I have a limp. I can no longer allow you to have power in the present. It doesn't mean pretending something didn't happen. It doesn't mean excusing wrongdoing. It means realizing justice will be served in some other cosmic way. It's not mine to meet. Uh, and I don't need to worry about it. But what I can do is refuse to allow that to dampen my present life any longer. Perfectly said. Absolutely. So anyway, well, I, so so who who are the, where, where do you get clients? How do you help them? Like you said, your coaching practice isn't full. What are you looking for? Looking for people that are ready to embrace relationships, embrace that self-love, move past restrictions, open up more spiritually, really embrace life and have joy in their life. And so many people put a lot of restriction around that, almost feel there's not enough time or, you know, I can't do that. I don't have the money for that. Or they'll make some kind of excuse for not being happy, for being stuck in some kind of abusive relationship, whether that be a family member or a significant other friendships. So really someone that's really ready to create a healthy life within themselves so that that is reflected back to them. Do you think, I kind of think that your spiritual foundation is the most important and the primary driver of all this. I've never found a, a person who isn't interested in or won't work on their spiritual foundation, however they want to define it, I don't care, but their connection to the larger self that can do very much growth in that other, I mean, in, in creating, fixing relationships and forgiveness and all the rest, if, if they don't have a, or are at least working on some kind of a spiritual meditation, connection, other gratitude, some mix of all those things. Do you think that's true? Absolutely think that's true. You have to quiet the mind. There are so many distractions now. <laughs> we could numb ourselves out, you know, a hundred different ways in a day, but it really is about quieting the mind and even assessing how you're feeling in this moment. Do you know, I, when my mom passed, one of the greatest gifts she gave me was finally, I was able to start a meditation practice because I was so used to talking to her every morning. So it's been over two years of me meditating every morning and going within and finding that peace. You know, I used to get that from her, but really finding that inner peace, you know, that deeper form of self-love and acceptance that we all do need. But we have to be able to hear ourselves. And that is, you have to have some kind of mindfulness practice and awareness practice to even know what you're saying to yourself all day. I, I love that. So what is 2023 going to bring for Jenny? Ha, my word of the year is serenity. So <laughs> I love that word, you know, just really that peace, that inner peace, no matter what is going on in the outside world, that return to center, 
that returning to that connection that that is everything that is that moves me forward that shows me how i can best help and serve other people that connects me to my joy that connects me to my inner peace and wisdom yeah so i love that word of the year for me fabulous um <clears throat> so uh, people uh, who hear this or are likely to want to hear more about you or to read stuff that you've written. I don't know if you have written a book or have other material that you have. How, how would they find out more about Jenny? Uh, whatever they want to know, your work, your practice, how you help them. Sure, if they wanted to hire Jenny. you or something like that, how would they find you? Yeah, it's JennyManion.com, J-E-N-N-Y-M-A-N-N-I-O-N.com. I have a free reawakening uh, the chakras to self-love course that I give, seven-day course. Really am big on energy and moving energy through the chakras and reawakening self-love. So I offer that. And yeah, I love to connect with people. I really do want to offer inspiration because I know life can be a whole lot easier then we make it. We're not given that instruction manual. So if I can give a couple little tools to make your day a little easier, that that brings me such joy. With giving away something like that, so someone comes and they sign up and get a, I guess it's called a lead magnet, and you, you know, you give them that. How, how do they engage in further conversation if they want to explore joining one uh, one of your programs? Yeah, there's information on my website about all the courses that I'm doing in the current moment. I have my book, A Short Path to Change, that was published by Llewellyn, and that has 30 exercises in it as well. So, yeah, really, there's lots of ways. I'm always online, always on YouTube, you know, doing little exercises. And again, really just like to to help people however I can. On my site, they can find out about the Akashic work and energy work and mentoring that I offer as well. Well, that's fabulous. I really want to thank you for a couple of things. First of all, I want to thank you for being on the show. And most importantly, I want to thank you for your choices to take your own discoveries, which was how to heal yourself when you'd been diagnosed with those illnesses, and the, the continued refining that life has provided you with the passing of your mom. Your choice is to take those things and have them elevate you, refine you, and add good to the world. So I honor you, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you, Kellen. That means a lot. I got, like, teary-eyed. And thank you for your inspiration. I really, really appreciate all that you're doing in the world, bringing awareness and helping that 50 million people. I hope that number is even double that. I really do. Thank you. So and today, as episode has been good, you've had some opportunities to listen to another person who who is living proof that it's possible to live a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy, who's following their gifts and talents, who's been doing this for many years, and who is making a difference and adding good to the world. So I can tell you, if you listen more than once, there's lots of nuggets here and opportunities for you to discover more ways to create your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, 
please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your feet on